Good afternoon, everyone. I hope you're all enjoying the reInvent so far. Um, thank you for joining today's session. Um, I'm really excited to be here today, and I'm joined by my colleagues um, from New York Life. Uh, my name is Eli Epstein. I'm a solutions architect from AWS. Um, before my colleagues from New York Life, uh, Rohit and Sudeep, are going to go into their specific use case and how they use AWS mobile services, um, I want to do a quick recap of those services for you that may not be as familiar. Um, and then I'm going to pass it on to New York Life uh, to go deeper into their solution and into their implementation. So when I speak to customers about mobile services, um, of course, a lot of the time is spent on technology, right? We focus on the different platforms that you're using, whether it's Android, iOS. Uh, we talk about the different languages and how you implement the application within the different frameworks. Um, there's a whole bunch of you know, proliferation of frameworks and different pros and cons. Um, and of course, there's a lot of different environments, right? You have mobile uh, native apps, you have mobile web, uh, of course, you have hybrid. Um, and those are all definitely very important topics. But I think sometimes what gets lost is, you know, the customer perspective, right? If I ask, you know, your customers, right, what do they really care about? And I think the answer is, you know, it's pretty simple. They just want to have an amazing user experience, right? They want to have a secure application, fast, responsible, responsive. It should be personalized. It should provide them insights. And if you do this right, right, um, it really aligns well with the business objectives, which is really ultimately to grow the audience and to increase the user engagement. Um, one quick point on audience and engagement. One question that often comes up is, you know, do we need to do both? Do we need to do native? Do we need to do web? And I often tell customers, yes, you absolutely should focus on both. If you look at the last uh, Comscore report for 2016, um, there's no question that the mobile app is the leader when it comes to engagement. In fact, 75% uh, of the time that users spend on their mobile phone is actually spent within the app. But if you're trying to grow your audience, you also have to focus on mobile web. Uh, in fact, mobile web is three times larger and is growing two times faster than mobile app. So you do need to focus on both, and, it, and that actually increases the complexity from a technical perspective even further. Now, let's go back to that customer perspective, right? What it is that you, know, you really should be ideally focusing to make your app a success with your customers, right? And these are kind of the, the key areas that we usually hear, right? So you want to make sure that your app is easy to find, right? That's why mobile web is so important, because that becomes the way you're growing your audience. Um, you do need to provide immediate and clear value. Um, some customers, especially in the enterprise space, are still struggling with it. If you look at, for example, financial services area, um, you know, the adoption of those apps is still not where uh, they want it to be, and that's because they're still trying to figure out what is it that value that they're trying to provide within the application. You need to simplify the user exp uh, experience, experience and the user interface. If your app is complex, if it's hard to use, the users will absolutely uninstall it. Um, customers nowadays expect personalized user experience. You may have an experience in your app that is kind of generic, maybe for an unauthenticated user, but once you're authenticated, once you're logged in, there's a certain expectation that the content should be personalized, and there should be some contextual information, right? Whether it's based on their location, whether it's based on their usage patterns, based on their account information, but there's a certain sense of expectation 
Um, and that makes sense, right? Because if the idea is that you're trying to use that as a channel to engage with your customers, you do need to figure out how to personalize that experience. And then ultimately, you need to make it fun, right? You want people to cop, keep coming back to your application over and over again. The reality, though, however, is when I speak to customers about where do they spend most of their time, unfortunately, it's not in those areas. It's in these areas, right? Identity and access management, auth, right? Device synchronization. Um, Nowadays, you know, users have multiple devices and they expect to seamlessly transition from device to device and all their profile information, even bookmarks, right, in e-readers should all be preserved as they move from one device to another device. Um, analytics, uh, push notifications, right, um, native notifications within iOS and Android. And then, of course, you know, databases and to be able to scale those databases for your web audience. And these are all important things, right, don't get me wrong. But these are not the things that really differentiate your app. If you think about the objective about growing audience and increasing the user engagement, you don't achieve any of those really if you are awesome at these things, right? So this is really where AWS mobile services come in, right? We make it super easy to leverage some of our services. Uh, we provide mobile SDKs. We have SDKs available for Android, iOS, Unity, JavaScript. Um, we recently announced a React Native de developer preview. Um, these SDKs allow you to get access to all of our services from a single uh, platform. Um, it's also optimized for mobile, right? It's optimized for mobile OS. It's also optimized for mobile networking condition, uh, intermittent failures of you know, communication. Um, and it's also designed to reduce your memory footprint and also to preserve battery life. So I just want to spend a couple of minutes just talking about some of these services before I pass it over to my colleagues. Um, so if I look at those components that I showed you before, right? So let's start with auth and sync, right? For auth, we have Amazon uh, Cognito. Cognito, with our new user pool capability, allows you to incorporate user sign-up and user sign-in within your application. We also are able to federate third-party identities. So if you want to allow users to log in with Facebook or Twitter, you could actually federate that access. Um, you could also use your uh, custom identities to, with Cognito as well. Um, Cognito Sync is what allows you to synchronize across devices. So even, those, even if those devices are different OS or different uh, environments, you could actually have a, a storage area where you could put information such as user profile or any other data that you want to synchronize across those, those devices so that the users have that seamless experience. Um, we also have mobile analytics, which allows you literally with just three to four lines of code you could get insights into your app usage. Um, if you're monetizing your app, you actually could get reports on how you're doing in terms of app revenue. Uh, you could get insights in terms of user retention, you know, who is coming back to your app, who is uninstalling your app. Um, it's also, there's a great free tier with mobile analytics. I'll just make a little plug there. 100 million events per month are available for free, and then it's just a dollar per million events thereafter, right? So it's super easy. Um, what about business logic, right? That's where AWS Lambda comes in. Um, you could run all of your backends on completely serverless environment. So you could run all of your backend code um, in AWS Lambda, just upload your code, and you don't have to manage any infrastructure at all. All the scaling, all of that is done for you automatically. Um, what about content? 
you, you have images, you have media. So S3, of course, is perfect for that. It has 11.9 durability to preserve your data in a durable format. Um, S3 also has, we provide optimizations there specifically for mobile. So for example, if you're doing data transfer into S3 and you have intermittent connectivity problems, we have clients that will automatically do resume of that upload so that the user has a really good experience and doesn't have to keep re-uploading the content from the beginning. Um, for notifications, we have Amazon SNS. Uh, SNS allows you to do native iOS and Android push. And then we also recently announced global SMS messaging. So you could actually in integrate SMS messaging within your application as well. Uh, for databases, DynamoDB is perfect for that, right? It's a NoSQL database, but the most important thing is it's designed with single-digit millisecond latency at scale, right? So if you're growing your audiences to millions of users, right, you need a database that could scale with that as well, and DynamoDB is perfect for that. Um, we also have Amazon API Gateway, of course, that could become, that could basically front all of these components by providing you an ability to manage your APIs, to protect them, secure them, and you have capabilities such as throttling and things like that. Um, and then also we are investing heavily in terms of making this really easy. We have AWS Mobile Hub, which allows you to take and pick and choose the components that you want here, and it actually will automatically produce working code that you could just go ahead and integrate into your application and start integrating these services. So the basic idea here is if you could offload, right, these components, what we call the undifferentiated heavy lifting, to AWS, that's what really enables you then to go ahead and focus on your application. With that, I want to pass it over to my colleague. Um, I'm going to call up Rohi. They're going to talk about how they've leveraged some of these services to reimagine uh, the insurance processes. Hello. Good afternoon, everyone. Hope you had a great lunch. Um, my name is Rohit Kati. I'm the CTO for New York Life Labs. Uh, I've, I've, I've been joined by my colleague Sudeep Kulkarni uh, on my team. Um, so before we go into what is New York Life Labs, I would like to you know, give you a brief overview about New York Life itself. So New York Life is uh, one of the largest mutual life insurance companies um, and we have been in the business for 170 plus years. So, you know, we have been in business for long. Um, so there is a rich history associated with us. Uh, there is a huge set of customers that have trust in us because we have been there when they needed us. Uh, so, you know, we have made, uh, we have kept every promise that we have made um, and continue to do so. Um, at the same time, from a technology perspective, we have been you know, tweaking and tuning our systems, upgrading our systems uh, over the past so many years. Um, and, you know, so uh, we are at a stage wherein we realize that, you know, we need to do the next set of, uh, you know, revolutionizing the insurance platform, the technology platform, uh, and that time was now. And that's when New York Life Labs was established with the sole intention of actually going after the best of technology and, you know, actually building um, using that technology. So New York Life Labs is a subsidiary of New York Life Ventures, uh, which is the, the corporate venture arm of New York Life. And, you know, we are directly in that team uh, or in that group. Um, we're staffed with um, thinkers, problem solvers, and actuarial scientists. So actuarial scientists are 
are you know uh, people who actually design the insurance products price it and you know um, uh, have different rules for underwriting um, and the the intention um, of this lab was not to actually be another innovation organization like many other companies have this is more focused on execution so um, we actually build technology here and as opposed to saying that hey chatbot is cool let's do something with it we say that okay what is the use case within insurance uh, where we need chatbots and then we actually go about building it so it's more use case driven and execution focused um, and you know of course the overarching idea is build the next generation of insurance products and services because we believe uh, by keeping the customer at the center um, you know everything is going to change and the next generation of our customers are going to demand much more uh, than what we have to offer today um, so this is a very uh, uh, bold statement insurance processes are broken and i and why i stress about processes is because um, you know over so many years of doing you know of being in the insurance business there are so many processes that have been tweaked and tuned so um, there are many processes within our organization um, that are broken today and you know it's for a good reason they still work but they are still broken um, and so uh, what happens when you um, when you want to upgrade technologies you go to a few vendors see what aligns well to the existing processes that you have um, and and the vendors would also have taken feedback from you and you know tune their systems to align with with the broken processes that you have so you know what you have in the market is a bunch of softwares that actually align with your insurance processes that are already broken or processes that are already broken um, and so when we uh, started out we said we want to take a fresh perspective uh, start on a blank slate and then reimagine even why a insurance process is 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 done in a particular way and we quickly realized that there are many processes uh, which could be done in a uh, in a very different way using the modern cloud technology that we have um, and you know that's that's when we were initially engaging with elia from the aws side and we quickly realized that hey you know this process can be solved using these processes on aws and you know we started one step at a time um, took each process went and sat with those teams and said that okay if we had the cloud technology now how do we do it in the lab differently and so that's how um, you know we have been problem solving um, also the the approach that we used was mvp approach uh, which you know coupled with build measure learn framework um enabled us to do what we did uh, you know uh, what we are, we are going to demo today um again this mvp approach i would like to spend a minute here is very important because um we didn't say that hey we here's 5 million dollars let's take a big bang approach and go solve some of these parts we said that okay let's start small let's start with each individual process and try to solve it come up with a prototype go show it to folks get gather feedback and then come back and iterate over it so that's how uh, you know uh, we work in the lab um again uh, analysts have to jump through a large number of systems to process a single claim so uh, in this uh, presentation we are going to talk about claims um and claim for those of who uh, you know do not know about 
um, life insurance. You know, claim is something that is filed by a beneficiary when the insured person passes away. So that's when you, you know, when the claim is approved, uh, the insurance company pays out the beneficiary the, the amount that has been promised as part of that policy. So uh, we will try to expand on how we solved claims so that, um, and, and then talk about the underlying technology, which Sudeep will do. Um, but even when we analyzed claims, uh, we saw that the claims analyst, when even a simple, uh, uh, you know, simple plain vanilla uh, claim comes in, there is a set of systems uh, that the analyst has to jump through to gather uh, all the information that is required to actually approve that claim. So fragmented systems um, and data silos. So you know you had one system which provided a set of data, and then you know you had to log into another system, and then you had to log into another system to actually gather all the uh, data that would be required to process and approve that claim. And it would involve a lot of manual work. Of course, there were certain processes that were automated within the whole life cycle, but at the same time, there was a lot of manual work that would go into uh, the setup review and the payout of that particular claim. Um, and you know, it resulted in um, significant time being lost um, in processing some of those claims. Um, so the, the approach that we took was, um, again, the overarching vision here was MVP all along, that you, know, you build, measure, and learn from it. Um, so the first point here is build it from the ground up. So we took a very fresh perspective. Uh, we started on a blank slate and said that in the lab, if we are unfettered by any of the uh, any constraints and you know uh, not beholden to any of the existing systems, how would we do it? So that's the approach we took. Um, complete freedom. Uh, we did not have to you know integrate into any of the existing systems, and that was the idea because we soon realized that. Once you start integrating into any of your existing systems, you lose the agility that you gain by, you know, uh, taking a completely ground-up approach. And of course, in some cases, it's not avoidable. But in our case, that was the approach that we took, um, and um, you know, it paid rich dividends. Um, mobile first, we said that our customers uh, want us to be on on an app. We'll be there. If they want us to be on a website, we'll be there. So, um, you know, we wanted. Um, to build something that would be uh, everywhere and wherever our customers needed us to be. Um, cloud native, so you know, when we started out, we said that everything that we do should be on the cloud. So that was like, you know, the, the first step that we took. And then uh, as we, uh, you know, went along uh, building some of these uh, applications to cater to some of these individual processes, we said that, okay, here's an AWS service that does notifications. So how do we leverage that in the realm of what we are building? So it, it soon turned out that many of the AWS processes, uh, if you use them and you know um, combine them into a workflow, um, it, it solves a really meaningful problem. Um, and I'm sure it would be applicable to many different domains as well, but especially insurance, you know, we are able to solve a lot of meaningful problems using a combination of these AWS services. The design goals, again, responsive mobile-first design, um, you know, seamless transition by keeping the customer at the center. Um, you know, again, material design principles 
we wanted um, any any person who is using our applications to have a delightful experience and at the same time um, have actionable insight on their as part of their dashboards so you know uh, we combined a lot of analytics and i have a few screenshots to show you um, every step of the way so you know every step of the way we collect data and uh, we actually convert them into actionable insights that are helpful for each of those departments and you know we present it to them as part of the dashboard so completely analytics driven and when you know we try to provide a uniform experience as well uh, here's a, a simple uh, version 1.0 dashboard uh, that we built uh, for claims um, you know for for a claims analyst to approve some of these claims and as you can see, uh, the dashboard itself, as soon as the claims analyst logs in, is full of analytics, and this is all, all in real time. So it's, it's derived um, from Amazon Redshift. We're using a combination of Redshift and a few other technologies on the cloud to actually power these uh, metrics that you see on this dashboard. Um, this is another screenshot of a, of a claims portal wherein the claims come in in real time. Um, and as you can see on on the mobile interface and and on the uh, on the web interface it's all very seamless it's very insightful and you know everything is in in one single dashboard so that was the idea here that we don't need fragmented systems we want anybody that is operating the system uh, to have everything at their fingertips um, so before sudeep jumps into the details um, you know, I would like to give you a high-level overview of how we did claims. You know, um, and you know the re the, re the redesign process um, um, that that was involved there. And you know, when we started out uh, to so to solve you know some of the claims-related processes, we said let's do it in the simplest way possible. Let's not complicate things because we already saw that the the, the way some of the processes worked were already so complicated that you know you at least needed a few days just to see what was required, what was not required, what was optional. And so we said you know whenever a beneficiary submits a claim. Um, um, from then to actually when the notification of approval goes out, it should be a very simplified process because, you know, paying out a claim should be simple. Um, and that is what we have been doing for 170 plus years, so why not make it even more simpler? Um, so, uh, you know, the beneficiary submits the claim, the claim is saved, uh, the workflow is triggered, and this is the, the critical part here, the workflow ties together different uh, things that are to be done, and some some of those um, you know things that are to be done or workers uh, actually use um, you know serverless architectures, which Sudeep will talk about um, using you know AWS Lambda, um, and then every step of the workflow uh, we wanted notifications to go out, so we used SNS uh, to send seamless notifications to uh, be it customers or people on the back end. Um, who were processing each of these so that you know whenever there is a handover from one person to another even on the back end there is a clear context handover and you, you don't have to end up making phone calls from one person to another just to learn uh, about a particular case um, with that i would like to invite sudeep pulkarni on my team to take you through the application architecture um, and you know in more te technical depth thank you Thank you, Rohit, and good afternoon, everyone. Hope you are finding this session useful so far. 
so yeah, let's get into the fun part. Um, this is a technical deep dive of the application architecture. Um, as you can see, uh, we are hosting this website on a Node.js deployment on Elastic Beanstalk. On the front end, we are using Angular 2, and there were a couple of important reasons why we did that. Uh, since like we are a startup, so we don't want to spend a lot of time just deciding which framework to use, which library to use, and since Angular 2 is a framework, it offers a lot of functionality uh, from the grounds up. Um, and another important reason was it maintains a clear distinction between the template that's being rendered on the website and the JavaScript that's driving your application. <clears throat> so both the template and the JavaScript component are reusable throughout the application. On the back end, as you can see, we're using a combination of AWS services. I'd like to highlight some of them here. The first one is Amazon Cognito. Cognito, as Elia explained, is a user authentication and authorization framework. We are using it to manage sign-up and login process, as well as to secure our Node.js backend API routes, uh, which we will see later, how exactly we are doing that. <clears throat> Next service I would like to talk about is DynamoDB. DynamoDB, again, yeah, it scales really well, so we wanted to have scalability as, like, as the focus point while building our database. So all our entities, the claims, the policy, the policy owner, all those entities that are involved in the claim lifecycle are stored in DynamoDB. And as some of you are probably aware, DynamoDB has, integrates really well with other AWS services. And in particular, we are relying heavily on DynamoDB triggers to process our claims. <coughs> um, next service is AWS Lambda. Lambda, yeah, I'm sure most of you are aware that uh, you can use it to build serverless architecture. So we are using Lambda in our workflow. We are using it as the workflow starter trigger. And last but not the least, Amazon SNS. SNS is used to manage all our notifications. Um, right now, we are using it with Apple notification system to send, no send push notifications to the app that's installed on Apple devices. <clears throat> Next up, I'd like to go through each of these services in detail and uh, show you exactly how we are using it. First one is Cognito. So going back to our requirements, uh, what were our requirements while choosing Cognito? So we wanted to securely access all the different AWS services that we are already using. So Cognito offers an easy way to do that. <clears throat> and it supports authenticated and unauthenticated identities. So authenticated identities are, yes, uh, reserved for the users who have logged in using an identity provider and unauthenticated identities are used for guest users. Um, we are using this feature to enable the beneficiary to upload some documents to an S3 bucket as part of the claim submission process. <clears throat> and third feature uh, is through the use of identity pools, we can map more than one users to the same pool and thereby enable them to have the same kind of access to all the different AWS services that we are using. And this, the interesting feature that I talked about is how we are using Cognito to secure our Node.js API routes. So since Cognito is a client-side framework, we needed a way to 
secure our backend API routes using the access token that's returned by Cognito when a user logs in successfully. And for this, we leveraged a custom authorizer blueprint. Um, and next up, we'll see how it looks like. <clears throat> so the custom authorizer blueprint, it sits on the Elastic Beanstalk server. It's essentially a Node.js middleware that you can add to any route that you want to secure. And that makes sure that whenever a user is requesting to perform any sort of operation, for example, if a claim analyst wants to update the status of the claim, or if he wants to approve the claim, which are the updates that you can make to DynamoDB. So the update route, as well as the lambdas that are used to perform our business logic, those are secured using the Node.js middleware. This is the sample code for the custom authorizer. And it was very easy to build this using the custom authorizer Lambda blueprint that was provided to us by the Cognito team. The main function here is the validate token function, which receives the access token. And if that token is invalid, we are returning a 401 response to the user. Otherwise, the user can process proceed ahead with the operation uh, they wanted to perform. And in the last code snippet, you can see that we are using this as a middleware, the auth.authenticate. This is the overarching file that contains the validate token function. And we are using it to secure all the routes that begin with slash claim. So claim update, claim insert, claim approve, all those routes are secured using this middleware. Next feature from Cognito is Cognito user pools. Okay, so again, going back to the question of why we selected user pools. So as a startup, we didn't want to build and manage our own user directory. And as you can imagine, to build and manage it and then make it, making it scalable and secure is a huge task. So we offloaded this process to Amazon uh, user pools are very easy to use. They provide all this functionality, scalability, security, and on top of it, uh, user pools provide enhanced security. Uh, enhanced security in the form of multi-factor multi authentication, and your developers can have a granular control over the sign-up and sign-in process for the users. And another interesting feature in user pools is ease of use for the end user. Through user pools, uh, you can enable aliases for users to log in. So a user can sign in for using their email ID, they can sign in using their phone number, or they can sign in uh, using a, their preferred username, which can be easier to remember for them. And yeah, as a startup, uh, we were able to ramp up pretty quickly by using user pools. And last important point is, yeah, we were early adopters of user pools and we work closely with uh, Cognito team. And yeah, it's been an exciting journey. Next up, this is a very good feature that user pools offer, which is user pools custom field. So <clears throat> as you can see from the screenshot, we are using two custom fields here. One is an analyst ID, and other is a position. 
you can have up to 25 custom fields in your user pools. And unfortunately, right now, they cannot be made mandatory through the Cognito Management Console, but we are doing that as part of our user sign-up process. We are using the custom fields for role-based access control. So going back to Elias' point about providing a personalized user experience. So this role or the position defines the objects the user will see once uh, they log in. So if the user is a claim analyst, yeah, he should see a list of claims. If the user is an underwriter, he should see a list of applications that are pending underwriting approval. And this position also defines the operations user can perform and the various AWS services he or she can access and the level of access for those services. <clears throat> it was pretty easy to create and use the uh, custom fields in our code. And lifecycle triggers. So you can have lifecycle triggers on uh, your user pool actions, such as sign up, sign in. Um, a very simple use case can be triggering a Lambda when the user signs up to send him a welcome email, to send him like getting started documentation, and we are considering using this in the future. This is the code snippet, and then that shows use of the uh, user pool custom field. So as you can see, role is derived from the current user attribute that gets stored in local storage when, uh, you, uh, when the user logs in successfully using Cognito. Um, then we are checking the role. We are checking if the user has indeed logged in and the session has not expired. If so, we set the access token for our backend routes to for the middleware that's going to verify the access token. And then we check the front-end URL that the user is trying to access. Oh, and by the way, this code is part of an Angular 2 TypeScript file. Um, in Angular 2 jargon, this is called a route guard, which protects the route from unauthorized access. So in the URL, we are checking, okay, if this is a URL that begins with claims, then yes, this role must, the user must have an analyst role, and similarly for underwriter, the user must be an underwriter. If not, the user will be redirected back to the home page. <coughs> So we have talked about Cognito, and now I'd like to dive deep into the claim processing workflow and show you how we are using SWF to manage this workflow. So here is the claim process workflow again, but in slightly more detailed form. So the first step is that company is notified that the policy owner has passed away. This notification can be through a phone call, or as we are doing it, the beneficiary can submit the claim online. Once this is done, the user gets flagged as deceased in the system. Next step is claim creation. A new claim will be set up using all the information that's necessary to process the claim, such as the information submitted by the beneficiary, the documents that were uploaded, the policy information, the policy owner's information, so on and so forth. Once the claim is saved in the Dynamo table, uh, a workflow process is initiated to manage the entire life cycle of the claim. And the first part of the workflow is claim assignment. Claims are assigned to claim analysts based on 
various factors such as the analyst experience, the analyst's specialty. Uh, for example, the analyst can be uniquely qualified to handle uh, foreign death claims uh, or contestable claims. Um, we are also considering uh, the analyst's workload, uh, their availability, etc. Next step is the claim review. This is, this is a manual process where the analyst goes through all the information that's been submitted as part of the claim and he verifies the documents that were received, verifies the policy information, and if there are some special circumstances that require um, departmental review, the claim will be rerouted to the appropriate uh, internal department, such as underwriting or legal team. And the final step is the payout step, where the analyst has approved the claim, everything looks good, so the analyst can initiate payout for each beneficiary that was <coughs> part of the policy. Uh, the, the, the steps involved here are interest calculation um, and then actually paying out the beneficiary using the interest amount. This is the SWF architecture that we are using to manage our claim processing workflow. Um, as you can see, and okay, before we go into these activities, SWF or simple workflow is a framework that manages asynchronous and distributed components and um, helps you create a workflow with minimal management because AWS takes care of scheduling, uh, terminating the events as necessary. The decider that decides the activities to be scheduled manages their inputs, outputs, and manages the execution of the workflow itself. This decider is running on an EC2 server, and it schedules and manages all these different activities that you see here. The first activity is assigned claim activity, which is a lambda. And before the decider comes into picture, um, we have a lambda that gets triggered as soon as a claim is inserted into a DynamoDB table. That insert trigger calls a lambda that actually starts the workflow, and the workflow manages lifecycle of the claim. The very first process is assign claim, which is again a lambda. The decider calls this lambda with the claim information. This will look at the analyst information as we just saw, and assign the claim to an analyst. Next part is analyst review part, which is a manual process. And SWF supports manual activities really well. So you can have a placeholder activity running while the analyst completes the review of the claim. Next step, which is a conditional step, which is the manager review. So if the analyst is a new analyst, he does not have enough experience to handle the claim, or maybe if the claim amount is just, uh, the payout amount is too much for the analyst experience level, then the claim will require a manager approval which is again a manual process. The next step is document upload. So this will be again an optional process where if the documents that were submitted by the beneficiary as part of the claim submission, if they were not enough for the analyst to approve the claim, then the analyst can request the beneficiary to upload certain documents. And while the documents are being uploaded, this is the placeholder activity that's kept running in SWF workflow. And next step is interest calculation, where 
yeah, the analyst is ready to pay out the beneficiary based on the beneficiary's share of the policy face amount. And this interest calculation lambda looks up a complex interest calculation rules table, which is again um, built using DynamoDB. It looks at all the different state regulations. It looks at company rate. It looks at the state rate that's applicable and then uh, outputs the final interest that's payable to the beneficiary. And the very last step is actually paying the beneficiary, which is where the analyst can <coughs> initiate the payout process that calls a third-party payment gateway. Next up, I'd like to talk about Lambda, and in particular, how they can be used as event processors. So as you might know, Lambdas can receive events from lots of different sources. Uh, for example, you can receive an event from S3 bucket, uh, a DynamoDB stream, or for real-time data processing, um, the Lambdas can receive events from Amazon Kinesis stream. Um, for our use case, we are relying on DynamoDB streams. So as soon as a new claim is inserted in the DynamoDB table, uh, a Lambda will get triggered with the claim that was just submitted. Uh, that that claim will be part of the DynamoDB stream. This lambda initiates the assigned claim uh, and workflow starter lambda that will assign the claim and start the workflow. And at this point, SWF will take over and manage the lifecycle of the claim. The last service I would like to talk about is Amazon SNS. So, Going back to our requirements, why SNS? So our key values were scalability, simplicity, and security. And SNS manages to fulfill each of them in a very nice way, and the added advantage is that it's managed by Amazon. So SNS is scalable. It's been designed to meet the needs of most demanding applications, and it allows you to send any number of messages at any time. Um, it is simple because most of the time, developers will be making use of uh, three APIs, which is create topic, uh, subscribe to a topic, and publish messages to a topic. And other APIs are, of course, available for ease of use. Um, it's easy to set up. It's cost effective. It's paper message model. You are paying only for the charges that were incurred by Amazon in sending uh, the message. And as you can see from the architecture diagram, we have mobile applications that publish to the SNS topic. The analysts are subscribed to this topic and they receive <coughs> notifications for the incoming applications. This is the sample code for creating a, a topic and then subscribing to it. This is an iOS Swift code. And as you can see from here, you can create first create the endpoint, then set the topic, and then actually subscribe to a topic by using uh, AWS task. And this code has been generated by using AWS Mobile Hub, which is a really nice uh, building tool for managing mobile applications. With this, uh, I'd like to invite Rohit back onto the stage to conclude our session. Thank you.
So as you um, just heard from Sudeep, uh, the end-to-end um, you know, processing of a claims workflow was so simple and it was all made possible uh, because of the, the cloud services that were provided by AWS. Um, so the concluding remarks, uh, um, you know, if you have any questions, um, I, I think we have a few minutes for, uh, for a few questions. But, um, you know, um, again, we are uh, a captive startup and a Fortune 100 company. And, you know, if you want to shape the future of insurance, uh, feel free to engage with us. My email ID is rohit underscore kati at nylim.com. Um, we'll be more than happy to, uh, uh, you know, engage with you. Um, at this point, uh, maybe if you have any questions, um, you know, you can either ask me or Sudeep, uh, and then we can uh, we spend a few minutes to take any questions if you have any. Sure. Correct. So um, the the good thing is we haven't done anything on that front yet uh, because we we are focused on building the application to handle it, um, and the idea is that you know we do a few market tests. Uh, test the market and come back and actually do that. So for now, we haven't touched it, but again, you know, we have built our architecture in such a way um, that you know it's so flexible, especially the data model is very flexible enough to accommodate uh, the legacy data that we have. But this is focused on new business activity. Any other questions? If not, uh, please complete the evaluations for this session. Ilya keeps reminding me. Uh, and thank you, everyone, for attending it. Thank you.